Friendos, it's shoot for Joe Azer. Um, here's what I can tell you. If you went to Joe Azer and said, should I buy a Puerto Rican houseboat with the roof rotted out, <clears throat> sinking in the middle of the sound, he would advise you not to do that. Wait, uh, what? I know, on hell, I didn't want to be the one to tell you. But oh. if you just would have called Joe Azer, he would have said, don't buy a sinking houseboat. And that's valuable advice right there, by the way. Good advice with someone you can trust. And I'm sorry you went through that on hell, but if you just would have yeah. called Joe Azer, you could have avoided it. What's his number again? Because I, I need life. 571-989-2937. That is Joe Azer's <laughs> phone number. 571-989-2937. If you call Joe Azer, if you need to buy or sell a home. For instance, if you want wow. to watch football with friends, then it's at least a possibility. I hate for you to hear about it here. Uh, <laughs> shirtless. I really needed a lot of this advice before I made all the terrible decisions, but... I appreciate it, Chad. Don't be like the shirtless Puerto Rican. He's been wearing the same purple sweatshirt for two <laughs> weeks in a row. I think it's the only sweatshirt he owns. I, I don't know if Azer could help him out with that, but I know that he would uh, He would try to. Townhouse in Springfield, uh, condo in Franklin Farms, something in Centerville, whatever you want. It's off the market, but Joe knows about it. He can put you on. You want to run your own Airbnb scam? Joe don't know nothing about that. That's up to you. But... If you want to buy a house or you want to buy a condo or you want to buy anything in the northern Virginia area, if you don't want to leave this fine country with all of the beautiful education highways, um, this this is who the man the man you need to talk to, Joe hey, Azer. Can, can you guys drink the water here too? Huh? Um, it is Joe Azer. Uh, you go call 571-989-2937 and tell him that the shirtless Puerto Rican sent you. Friday, Friday, Galaxy on my day. Hallelujah, hallelujah, it's Friday. The weekend's here and we'll have a kid of me. We'll relax, hallelujah, hallelujah, and take off our slags. Hallelujah, hallelujah, it's in a rubber house in a rotten underwear. Hallelujah. Hello. Friendos. His host name is Chad Dukes. And I am burdened with glorious purpose. It's the Chad Dukes Radio Show. It's not Free FM. So give Chad a call. Here's the number. 385-645-5375. It's Miller time. What is that now? 12 hands in a row? Dukes, you son of a bitch. Nobody's that lucky. Now here's your host, the big silly. Chad Dukes. Charlie Hotel. Alpha Delta. Yeah, Dukes. Dig it! There, but for the grace of God, do with me. Where the nickel size hell and the damage in wind, we roll over New York, never let us back in. We blew out the lights, kick the windows in. And when the law showed up, said they're gonna have to take us in. That's get on my music. Hey there, boy. Happy Friday from your pal, Jimmy J, and the rest of the Chad Duke Show. We had a really fun, thick week of episodes this week. Pretty exciting for me, personally, though, with the bathroom. It's finally happening. Today, we are on day four of the remodel. Uh, first day was the demo. They, they tore it down to the bones. The mold issue, thank God, was not too deep or in the foundation. I still asked that the wood be treated just to be safe, and they did. 
Day two, uh, we had the plumbers come out. Not really sure what they did, but they uh, they made the necessary replacements and checked all the pipes and all that happy stuff. Day three, the remodel guys came back out. I now have a ceiling. Some walls are up. We have a tub, and it's in place. And I have all the pictures up. Uh, if you're a supporter, check it out on Facebook. I listed those on the Super Secret Supporters chat. And as well as on my personal Instagram, if you're interested in that, it's at JimJester79. But really, you should just become a Facebook supporter. It's $4.99 a month. And we finally have that video issue taken care of. You're welcome. We got all that stuff squared away with Facebook, so we'll be giving you even more access to what we already do. All right. Monday, Princess Dukes was away. Shude had some interesting experiences home alone. Tor gives us some insight on his uh, specific habits of baby girling. Our buddy Joe Fan joins the show, and Tor and Shude break down what was week seven of the NFL. Tuesday, a show character is doing a bad bit. Shocking. There's another installment of the Soup Scoop with Joe Soup. Eric Davis from Fandango joins the show, and Dukes has some tantalizing skinny going all the way back to the early days of Big O and Dukes when they were a podcast. Wednesday was something special. Ant-Man and Monk, they both got a chance to defend themselves because they need that. Dukes does some online trolling that's hilarious. Uh, A lot of people saw Black Adam, so there's a review for that. There's a new installment of the BMI, and there's a new Bean Boozled Punishment that, let's be honest, it's it's for me and Ant-Man. That episode, by the way, the title is Two-Hour, 49-Minute Gong Show. We seriously did a show just shy of three hours, and the donations for that, so many generous people. Thank you, guys. I'll put the, I'll put the picture of my dead soldiers up as the cover photo for the show. It's, it's something special. Thursday, we got Shoot Solo 7. There's a new thread in the Super Secret Supporters chat on Facebook that you can vote for your favorite episode of 2022. We're going to have something planned very special for that at the end of the year. Dukes kept making teases throughout the week on the shows of a big announcement, so he finally gets a chance to make that. He gives his thoughts on dieting, meal planning, and Bono's apology for the 2014 album drop, if you remember that in iTunes. And he also answers listener emails for Ask Shoot. So, four shows this week for you, not including this one, but combined just under eight hours of content. I think you get my point. So for today, I have our buddy Eric Davis from Fandango to discuss the latest movies with Dukes. I, I keep getting these requests, so I'm going to oblige. I have Ask Shoot from the Shoot Solo Show. But let's get you started with our friend Joe Fan. He covers the Seattle Seahawks. He calls in to discuss their start to the season and what is the rest of the 2022 season of the NFL. On November 12th at Flying Ace Farm in Lovettsville, Virginia, the Chad Duke Show will be hosting the Son of a Santa Double Oaked Bourbon Release Party, including a Thanksgiving dinner buffet, a live podcast, prizes, special guests, and much more. Save the date, everyone. November 12th at Flying Ace Farm. Very excited to be joined on the 
Monk's Barbecue Hotline. I did not think we'd be talking at Seahawks at this point in the season, but Joe Fan joins us, contributor for Seattle Sports at Seattle Sports, digital content and brand ambassador for WinBet, W-Y-N-N, like Ronaldo, and you can find his articles on sports.mynorthwest.com. Joe, thank you for the time today, buddy. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Appreciate you having me. No, pro- no problem. I heard Pete Carroll say today uh, that he would not have believed it at the beginning of the season if you told him they'd be here. Count me in with him. Uh, four and three, Seattle finds itself at the top of what is an unexpectedly beleaguered NFC West after being such a meat grinder the past couple of few. Um, kind of give the listeners a thumbnail on how we think Seattle got here and how much of it has to do with the way they're playing and how much of it has to do with so far how disappointing the division has been. It's certainly both. And it's not just the division. It's the NFC as a whole. Only five teams out of 16 um, are over 500. It's been really bad there. A lot of really bad teams. Um, and then with the Seahawks, they've just been better than expected across the board, certainly offensively. I don't think anyone expected them to have a top five scoring offense this season. One of the most efficient offenses, uh, in all of football, number one rushing team in terms of yards per attempt and number seven team in terms of net yards per attempt or number seven passing team in terms of net yards per attempt. Defensively, they were really bad to, uh, out of the gate, but two had two straight games have been really impressive they kept arizona out of the uh, end zone in week six and then they really blitzed the chargers in week seven they gave up only 23 points uh one of that was you know one of those scores is a garbage time touchdown when that game was already decided so yeah i think when you look at this this conference in general you know i you, i probably would tell you the eagles are the best team the cowboys probably the second best team and then you don't know if i would tell you the seahawks are third but i don't think you can objectively tell me they're not because of, of how average everybody else is. And, you know, even you look at the six and one giants, well, the Seahawks host them this weekend and they're three point favorites uh, at home at Lumen field. So it's really fascinating how it's unfolded. And there's certainly one of the surprises of the season so far. You know, dude, I swear to God, outside of the obvious, which is of course, Buffalo and Kansas city, I, I feel like the teams that show up and they play defense and they play hard, um, and they try to limit the mistakes. All the stuff that you is just so not in vogue to talk about. But you, you mentioned the Giants. Um, you mentioned the Titans. I, I, I'm a Titans fan. They won four in a row. I don't. They don't do anything really particularly well except play defense. Then when, when they need a defensive play, they get a stop. The Seahawks, I would put in that group. And then the teams, the Cardinals and the Chargers, who Seattle just beat, where you're looking at them, you're like, they're all, they're talented, they're flashy, all the analytics, all the, all the RPOs nonstop. Everything is where it needs to be. But sometimes they just look disengaged. They don't look like they have any interest in winning. I know that's crazy to say at the NFL level, but I, you know, I watched what happened with, with the Falcons defense yesterday, and they should be relegated. If you're going to allow Joe Burrow to put up 500 yards on you in this season, I mean, that's just what happened. It just seems that there's teams that are showing up and just they're locked in and ready to go to do the basics, and they seem to be thriving this year. Yeah, I think it's funny. It goes back to, you know, how simple Bill Belichick's favorite famous tagline is, is do your job. You know, he adds do your job well, but um, it's amazing how hard competency is defined in the NFL so far this year. You look at a team like the Giants and also the Jets who are five and two Giants are six and one. Um, I don't think you look at those teams and, and say, man, these are these guys are playing an awesome brand of football. But you know what? They don't turn the ball over. 
they defend, they make you work for it, they limit the explosives they allow, and they can run the football. And Brees Hall, unfortunately, going down to an ACL tear, but he was eating. And then Saquon Barkley has been the best running back in all of football so far this year. So um, I think it's amazing how far you can get with good coaching, uh, a, a locker room of players that, that buy into whatever that coach is selling, and then just the ability to, to be competent through doing your job and limiting, like you mentioned, the big mistakes and, and winning the turnover battle is you can get, you can get a pretty long ways, you know, unless you're playing the, the, the bills or the chiefs or, or maybe even the Eagles beyond that, you're going to have a chance to win every single week. It's at Joe underscore fan with two ends on Twitter and Instagram to follow him. Um, talk to me about Kenneth Walker, the rookie he had that insane 74 yard touchdown run last night. His carries have been going up past two weeks. He had 21, against the Cardinals 23 last night for a buck 68 averaged over seven yards carry and of course the two touchdowns people are raving about this kid they know a thing or three about running backs in Seattle what what do you see the ceiling of his his potential being I mean best running back in football I mean that's he is that dude and he has shown it I mean the last three games he's played um, he's at at least 88 yards rushing um, and, and a touchdown, you know, and then last week it was 97 yards and a touchdown. And then it was a buck 68 and the two touchdowns you mentioned against the chargers. I mean, it's everything. It's, it's, it's the break tackle toughness. It's the top end speed that, 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 you know, can run away from you as we've seen with a couple of long touchdowns so far, he had one, uh, against new Orleans and he had one, uh, again, against the chargers to put that game on ice in the fourth quarter on Sunday in Los Angeles at SoFi stadium. Um, he's got the vision to where, um, he can find, you know, where he's supposed to be, where the hole is. Um, you know, there's just, there's just such a smoothness of him. There's a calmness to him uh, as well, where it feels like it already feels sort of slow for him. And that's not to say it is, or he's not going through growing pains when it comes to adjusting to the NFL level, but he certainly, uh, doesn't look like the stage is too big for him. And he is, uh, an absolute uh, superstar in the making, it feels like, in the, at the running back position for Seattle. I got so much respect for Gino. Uh, just to go through, I mean, you're on Twitter every day. People calling you a shithead every day. It's it's tough just on social media. I'm not saying that happens to you, but most people on Twitter, it's going to happen. I can't imagine being in market number one and and failing a quarterback. And maybe it wasn't even your fault, you know, the circumstances being what it was. And then he goes to the other team in New York and has no success. And he's kind of found himself in Seattle and yeah, you know, they brought in Drew Locke, but they didn't, you know, they didn't go out and panic and get Matt Ryan or trade for Carson Wentz or whatever it is. They went with Geno Smith. And I remember being one of the people saying, these these guys are ridiculous. Like, they're clearly punting the season. I can't believe they traded Russell Wilson. And I mean, competent is the basement of what he's been. And at times he's been spectacular. And he's such an easy dude to root for. And those locker room videos, the audio of him with the team, he just seems like a guy they're all rally, rallying around. Is this a... I guess I would ask, is this a Case Keenum year for him, you know, where it's one and then you move on and he's back to who he is? Is this a guy that we all overlooked? Is it the perfect system? Do you think maybe the wings come off of the butterfly, you know, week 10, week 11, and then we start seeing some exposure there? I'm just curious to know what you think of Geno and his performance as a whole so far. Yeah, I think the Case Keenum or Nick Foles season, that one in Philadelphia, would would, would maybe tell you that, okay, like, let's let's just – Let's not get ahead of ourselves. But at the same time, it is worth giving him his flowers because he's been tremendous. I think going into the season, you think, you know, I understand why Pete Carroll trusts him. He's going to be a, a game manager 
and take care of the football. And I think there's sort of a negative stigma around game manager because everyone wants the franchise quarterback, the all pro dude, right. the future hall of famer. But again, like I just said, game managers can, can take you a long way when you're able to take what's, what's there for you and not make the big mistake. You're always going to give yourself a chance to win your team, a chance to win as long as the defense isn't outright losing the game, which for, you know, a couple of the games early in the season, the Seahawks defense was doing, yeah. you know, against Atlanta, against Detroit, a game they ended up, you know, somehow winning uh, against new Orleans. But regardless, yes, Geno Smith has been so much more than that. He's had, you know, an ever-improving deep ball. He's, he's been willing to take shots. He's had some remarkable tight window throws downfield. Um, he truly has been um, better than anyone could have ever expected, even his his most, uh, you know, staunch supporters. Uh, and it's a great story. And it's really cool for him to see, you know, whether it's this just this year or, you know, he can be a long-term starter, whether it's in Seattle or otherwise. I think he is, you know, assuring himself, even at age 32, that, you know, he's going to be a sought-after backup at the very least or kind of that perennial bridge guy, which, you know what, a lot of guys couldn't say that. And I think for a while maybe Gino didn't think that was possible because, you know, people were trying to kick him out of the league and say he wasn't good enough. But he was a great backup for years to Russell Wilson. He finally has his shot, and, and boy, is he, is he taking full advantage. Joe, you got, uh, Seattle has split so far this year within the division and lost to the Niners, and they beat the Cardinals. The only team they haven't played yet is the Rams. They have two matchups with them, uh, December and January. What's the, the, the feeling like going against the Rams? Because early booking of this is it's going to be a throwaway game for, for Los Angeles, reigning Super Bowl champs. But now it's looking like it could be heavyweight bouts in December and late in the, late in the season to possibly determine this division. Man, it's the Rams are such a mess right now. Yeah. You know, you look at a team and and what have they shown you that makes you feel like, you know, they're a team to be reckoned with. You know, they've got embarrassed at home by the Cowboys. They got embarrassed uh, at home by the Bills to start the season. They got embarrassed on the road against the Niners. Their three losses have been ugly. We talk about quarterbacks in the decline. We've talked about, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, Tom Brady, I mean, Matthew Stafford, Russell Wilson, Matthew Stafford is in that conversation of like, the dude isn't right. This is what we're seeing from the Rams this year. They look nothing like their 2021 versions of themselves. The defense isn't that scary. The offense isn't as potent. It's Cooper Rush, or not Cooper Rush, uh, Cooper, Cooper Cup or Bust uh, there in Los Angeles. Um, there's no guarantee that, that Matt Matthew Stafford's or elbow or shoulder, whatever's wrong with his throwing arm is right. Um, and so, yeah, again, it comes back to, you know, I, I feel confident that the Eagles are the best team in the NFC. I feel, I feel pretty confident the Cowboys are number two. But beyond that, I, I don't think you can objectively say at this point that anyone is better than the Seahawks yeah. based on what we've seen, what they've put on tape through six or seven games. Cardinals getting D-Hop back is really big, and then I also think if they can get Hollywood Brown. Yep. Is he out for the season, or is he just out for several weeks? I don't think he's out for the whole season, but if you ever get those guys on the, on the field at the same time. Dude, what did you think? This doesn't have anything to do with it, but I, look, I know it's a long – It's I, I like to be aggressive and F them picks. Like I kind of like all that stuff. It's like we're going to go out there and we're going to attack – and to see the the 49ers do it, but with Christian McCaffrey, I was like, yeah, F it. Go do it. You know, you why not? Like, for what you just said, anyone in the NFC can step up. They probably were seeing the same things you were. But good Lord, dude, can you imagine at home, you bring that guy in, he plays, and then you just, you just get 50 hung on you by the Chiefs the very next night, um, and, and America's game of the week in front of your hometown fans. That, that was a brutal welcoming party for Christian McCaffrey. 
I was also surprised how little they used him. It's yeah. not like he's like coming off of an injury. It's like he got on a plane flight. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Give the sure. guy a good night's sleep. Let him stretch out. He's ready to go. I, I I don't really understand the. I mean, yes, he doesn't necessarily know the playbook, whatever. But figure it out. It's Christian McCaffrey. I, I just don't think it can't be that hard, right? I don't mean to oversimplify it, but um, my assumption is that he he if if they were willing to, he was ready for a bigger role than what they gave him on Sunday. I don't really get it. I mean, this is a team that uses a day two pick on a running back every year. Yeah. This year it was uh, Davis Price. A year ago it was Trey Sermon, who didn't make the team. Um, we've seen it with Joe Williams, who didn't even make the roster his rookie year. Um, this team invests so heavily in running backs, and every year their most productive running back is either a late-round guy in the case of Elijah Mitchell or an undrafted guy in the case of Matt Breida, Raheem Mostert, um, or Jeff Wilson. And it's not just like, oh, they're they're starting and so they're getting numbers. They're, they're wildly successful. And so I understand the thought process of, well, now you give Kyle Shanahan a legit superstar at the position, and what does that look like? And, and maybe it is so much better than what we've ever seen, um, which I'm skeptical of. But for me, it's just I can't believe the continuing – uh, of pouring in immense resources into this position when, like you mentioned, they just got 50 hung up on them. They've right. got much bigger issues than what's happening at the running back position. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I, I don't pay – I pay Derrick Henry because he's not just – he's the franchise. Like, th that might be it, though. I mean, look at Ezekiel Elliott. Go down the list. All the guys that have gotten paid, does it work out for any of them? I wouldn't even say Nick Chubb, who's unbelievable, but it, they're not going to – they're not going to the playoffs – all of them have backfired uh, almost universally, starting with I feel like Le'Veon Bell kind of started that trend. But if you do think he's the thousand thousand guy, you know what I mean? Like he's a guy that's going to give you 100 receptions and also get you a thousand yards rushing or maybe you say, well, put him back there with Debo Samuel. No one's going to be able to create the mismatches. But I'm with you, man. I give up zero. I, I feel like every time I turn around, there's like a Zach Stacy type or. Who the, who's the who's the dude? Not P. Ryan. Who's the guy from the Patriots that shows up everywhere and somehow has 15 carries for 48 yards? Sony Michelle. Sony Michelle. Oh, yeah. Sony Michelle's been 100 teams. Every time I turn around, Sony Michelle's like got an eight yard carry for a different team. <laughs> they keep telling me his knees are blown out. He's 48 years old. I just you know every time he moistured. Every time I look on a different team, he's going for seven yards a carry. You got Khalil Pervert having all types of. Crazy success. I don't know. I, I don't give up anything for any running back ever. I guess I just like the mentality of getting after it and saying we're going to go out there and, you know, make a big move. Well, I think it also, you know what, if, if you love a running back in the draft and you want to take a Kenneth Walker in the second round, you know what your identity is, you love the skill set, okay, that's a lot to invest. But you know what, he's on a rookie deal for four years, and those are going to be his best four years of his career. And you can run all the tread off the tires you want before he even reaches free agency. Now, that sounds evil because I want to see all players get paid. But, but if you're going to do it, do it in a way that doesn't inhibit you uh, salary cap wise or, you know, you're investing multiple picks into it each and every year. You know, I think for me, it's really hard to justify the, the immense expense, both draft capital and salary cap wise. The Niners have now put into uh, that position. I agree. Um, what did you think of Matt Ryan getting benched already? I, it's unbelievable. They're one game out of first place. I realized Tennessee swept them, but I cannot. But they're going to the tank already. It's, it's, it's inconceivable. 
Yeah, I feel terrible for him. You know, I think it, you know, I think it's hard to watch good careers come to an end and in, in pretty brutal fashion. Uh, it's, a, it's a tough lasting memory, uh, especially when they change teams. Um, you know, I think Frank Reich said it. They didn't hold up their end of the bargain. The running game's terrible. The offensive line has been terrible. Um, but yeah, Matt Ryan has been has been really bad. So um, the fact that they are pulling the plug and going with Sam Ellinger, Ellinger is – uh, surprising to me, but, but also, you know what, like, I just don't know how much more you needed to see from Matt Ryan to say that this isn't going to get any better. And right. Yeah. They're one game out of first place, but they're terrible. You look at the wins they have. I mean, it's, it's ugly. Um, so yeah, it, it is amazing. Well, you go back to the Titans. I, I don't think the Titans are very good. I thought they were, weren't going to win the division this year because I thought it was going to be a down year for them, but God, when you're well coached and you don't make big mistakes, yeah. uh, you know Mike Vrabel is the king of getting wins against mediocre opponents, and that's just what they do. They show up, they don't beat themselves, and then they kind of just wait for you to make the big mistake, and they beat you by, you know, anywhere from three to seven points, and they move on about their their season. So um, there is again, you know, that's that shouldn't be trivialized when it comes yeah. to these teams that win uh, perennially. Yeah, but it's good enough to beat the Colts twice and win the AFC South when the Texans are garbage and the Jaguars can't figure it out. The problem is, like, you get 13 wins, 12 wins. You need to be in the conversation, I believe, with, you know, the Bills and the Chiefs, and they're they're just not. Um, very good. Uh, great segment. At Joe underscore fan with two ends. Give him a follow. Twitter, Instagram, Seattle Sports. All kinds of contributions and digital content and brand ambassador for win bet. Great stuff, Joe. Thank you so much for the time tonight. Hey, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. If you're interested in buying or selling a home, there's only one person you should call, and that's Joe Azer. You can reach him at 571-989-2937. That's 571-989-AZER. This is Ask Shude. Send us your questions, comments, or queries to mailbag at chaddukeshow.com, and we'll get to them on the show. All right, again, appreciate all the ass shoots. Mailbag at chaddukeshow.com. Tor has selected a few for me here. We'll have to see how it goes. Um, Sean Kelly was sent him over to me. Yo, yo, baby girl, this is Sean Kelly. Like, I know that on your Instagram, girl, you live a scandalous lifestyle. Why don't you come over here and I'll, sacri- I'll, I'll suffocate you with my big old thighs. Um, I'm happy that Tor's getting the boonda. Hello, Chad. Do you think that Anthony's inability to properly execute a BMI has anything to do with self-sabotage? He's had some personal momentum lately. Is it possible that he just has no idea how to deal with any amount of success and progress? Uh, Thank you, Jared. Jared, that is an interesting question. Um... I think that we would all agree that Anthony's stumbling and bumbling through the, um through the the shit through the BMI, the body mass index is funny and usually endearing and he's kind of uh, self-effacing and he can roll with the punches and Anthony does a real good job of having his balls busted and not getting upset. I think everybody kind of liked that it was kind of endearing portion of BMI the part you're talking about is there's twofold one, and he does not deserve to have his balls busted for this. I, I do. I think Anthony's got something wrong with his fucking brain. I, I think that uh, I think he's probably damaged it with all the drugs. But I think that there's also there could be something else. And he actually told me this week he's going in to get checked out again because I have noticed that his memory is worse now than it was even when I first started hanging out with him. And, 
And I, I think he should figure out maybe why that is. And so they're going to give him a CAT scan and all that shit. The other part about it is, um, it, it may be the memory may be contributed. He may just be forgetting. But he he's lazy and he's a huckster. Um, so what he'll do is put it off and put it off and put it off until he's panicking. He's got an hour to go before the show. And then it's, all right, I just got to, I got to figure. That's where the, the, the acai bowl came in. As far as eating the pizza bite several different times, I wouldn't even necessarily have a problem with that. Here's where I have a huge problem with it. When someone is sitting there and whether or not he knows he's doing it, I would say that he does. Um, screaming at me, I don't think I did this. You're wrong. Other people are telling him you've already done this. No, I don't think so. And then pulling out the phone and looking at it like you're going to find some sort of answer there. It's like, don't treat me like a shithead. Don't treat me like I'm a mom. I wouldn't just say you've already reviewed these products to bust your balls. It's not funny. It's not funny for my audience. The one part about it is if you're going to make a commitment, and this is what I always say to him when he flakes on shit and he doesn't show up and he says, I'm going to be there on Monday night. Like I, I think I've said this on the show before. I love Anthony, but I don't care if he ever shows up on a Monday night, ever. He can do whatever he wants. I know he likes to sell baseball cards. I think he wants to sell baseball cards tonight. That's fine. But don't tell me you're going to do it. Don't say you're going to do it then. Follow through. You say you're going to do something, do it. And then if you don't, then it, you should be incredibly apologetic. And I, I just don't think sometimes he gets so stuck in his, I have to defend myself because I don't want to get caught with these drugs. Or I don't want to get caught being high. Or I don't want to get caught using my mom's money that I was for food, for drugs. Whatever it is, whatever old spot it takes him back to with his addiction. But it's so embedded with him, he doesn't know he's doing it. So there's about 37 different issues at play here. Some of them I feel badly for. Some of them are not his fault. But the things that he can control is stop fucking lying and be prepared. And I think he's capable of that. He shows up for work. We bust his balls about how much he works and the job he does. But he actually does a good job. Like he's been promoted at his work several times. Um, everybody likes Anthony. Everybody thinks he's a good dude. There's a lot to like about it, but I, I think that he could do a much better job of being honest, not only with me and other people in his life, but with himself. He needs to start by being honest with himself. And he's just gotten so used to lying that I think like most pathological liars, when they're in the middle of the lie, they believe it. They believe it. Um, so the prep, and as I said, the reason why I think it's all bullshit, all you had to do is shoot me a text. Hey man, have I reviewed these before? My brain's not working today. And I would have said, yes twice you've done it twice uh and that would have been it hey dukes is this acai bowl and, and also i don't think he understands how much his credibility is damaged when he is screaming and yelling about how th th that that stupid bowl that he brought in here and i said I, I remember saying you took that out of the freezer at work i remember telling him that's what he did and he's saying no he didn't and then, admit, and then he admits it a week later you know it's just i think you lose a little bit of credibility to the audience the next time you're standing on a bunch of fucking milk crates screaming about how right you are but um as far as the self-sabotage i don't know I, I assume you're talking about his relationship i have uh, backed completely off i don't ask him about the relationship uh i am taking the it's none of my business policy if he is everything is going exactly the way he says it is or he's made the whole thing up i i'm out of it i'm out of the ant-man relationship business i hope he's happy i hope he's successful i hope that he uh, uh is having a great time with whatever's going on there but uh he, he'll just be my buddy that i watch football with and comes in and does fun fast food segments and we'll just we'll leave it at that but it's an interesting theory it's certainly an interesting theory jack 
Uh, shoot, I recently went on a camping trip with my buddy uh, and his 12-year-old son. The boy was quite respectful and well-behaved. I know this is not always the case, but for the trip, I was thoroughly impressed. Uh, when we were out on the fishing boat, my buddy would make his, my, uh, his son do all of his own work, casting, reeling, and even unhooking the fish so they could be measured. Uh, his life jacket even has a knife to cut the line when he got tangled. When at the camp site, he would also make his son take care of his own tasks. I was caught off guard when we sat down for dinner, and he cut up the kid's food jester style. I didn't say anything. The next morning for breakfast, he did the same thing with the boys' pancakes and sausage. Again, I didn't say anything. He confused... He, oh, he continued to make his son take care of every task imaginable for a 12-year boy, other than cutting up his own food. Do I risk offending him by saying something, or do I hope the situation resolves itself? Thanks, Sean and Manassas. This is very interesting, Sean. Um, I have to level with, and I've, I think I've busted Jester's balls about this, but when I see someone eat their food this way, I, 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 I think there's an intellect issue there. I don't know why, and that might not be correct, but that's the way I feel. When, when I watched Jester cut up his steak, or, or even the pancakes, I, I, it, it really makes me think that you're operating on some sort of stunted growth that you're childlike. Uh... For a 12-year-old to still be cutting up their food that way, I probably would think, oh, that's weird. I understand why you do it for a child, because they might choke. And, and maybe maybe this kid had some sort of violent choking situation, Sean, where the dad is overly... You, you don't know. Like, maybe they were on a camping trip, the kid almost died choking on a piece of beef jerky, and the mom is up this fucking dude's ass to cut his food up. Like, they're... There's shit that goes on in people's life that we don't know about. I would say if I was in your stead, I would find that odd. The situation you described is odd. Um, there is somebody I know that breastfeeds a child that is much too old to have still be breastfeeding the child. Much too old. And that's weirder than cutting up the food. That being said. Unless the kid's getting beat or molested or left in a car or put outside when it's negative 20 degrees, I just think you got to stay the fuck out of people's lives with their kids. I don't think they want to hear about what you think. That especially, I don't know if you have kids, Sean, but especially if you don't have kids, if you don't have kids there, I don't think people want to fucking hear it. Especially if it's not a situation where you can frame it as advice. If there was a way where you could frame it as, hey, we went through this, maybe you could do this, this, and this. Because people are, are incredibly weird about their kids. I got to be honest, I think it's weird you went camping with a buddy and he brought his fucking kid. That's me. That's how much different, you know, the zeitgeist is for me than it would be for you. So, would I want to say something in your stead? Yeah. I'd, I'd want to say something. But most of my adult life, there's just all... I mean, I say shit more often. I told Drab not to have kids. I tell everybody I know. I said, don't have a big wedding and don't have kids. They don't listen to me. I'm hot. I think that's way more than what most people do. I sat down somebody in my life and said, do not get married to that person. Get away from that person. Not like I married anyway, of course. Because that's what everybody always does. I don't know that everybody can do that. I'm not bragging, 
What I'm saying is I don't know of a way. I would want to say something if I were you. I can't figure out a path. <coughs> I can't I can't open up that hole, pull the guard, have the tailback follow him up the up, up the field. I, I I don't I can't figure out how to, to do that. Um, so yes, it is odd. Yes, I think less specifically of adults that behave that way. Um, I wish I had a solution for you. Chat and tour. Any thoughts about doing a House of Happiness Power Hour with Tor and the Bro Dogs? For everyone that works on the show, keep up the amazing work. It truly is a treat to listen to Steve in Gilbert. Quote, I know it's a tour question, but the premise is so absurd, I feel like you could give a funny take on it. Oh, actually, Tor made a little note there. That was a little note from Tor. What is Tor's little note? I know it's a tour question, but the premise is so absurd, I feel like you could give a funny take on it. I don't think that's an absurd premise. I mean, we talk a lot about the bro dogs in the house of happiness. Um, I don't know how to say this without being insulting. Uh, I don't mean it to be insulting. It's gonna sound that way. I don't want to have anything to do with Tori's bro dogs. I, I, they seem like good chaps, and I know that uh, Joe and Jester and Ant Man went over there, and they seem like good dudes. But I find bro dogishness to be odious like it, it's so annoying to me at times like the way bro dogs speak i i saw i saw one of the texts that Toro was sending to his bro dogs once and it said frfr at the end of the text and i was like what the fuck is that what could they possibly be saying to each other and i googled it and what it is is when young dumb people end sentences they put frfr for for real for real so if I were to text you something and I said, yo, man, I got to go get a cheeseburger right now for real, for real, which is really stupid in its own right. It's like just saying, except dumber. I know you're just saying you just said it. You don't need to ever say just saying because you just said the thing that you said you're just saying, you fucking twat. I saw the for real, for real thing and I realized I want no part of this world. So it's an interesting idea. But I also think that those guys are not broadcasters. The audience is not familiar with them. So I don't know. I'm sure they could be funny, just the five of them sitting around at their house, funny for each other. I don't know if it would be funny for the audience, coupled with the fact that I would be incredibly annoyed by it. That in tour seems to be very private for the most part. It seems to really like to keep the wall up between church and state. And not just church and state, but house, family, this show and his other jobs like he is a very secretive guy um and i can respect that i mean there's parts about my life that i don't share on the show and i I get it i think you know he's very open about some things and so it's hard for me to fault him for not being open about others because you can bust his balls about the tiny dick and the big ass and the killing the chicks like so it's it's hard for me to say hey you need to open up more about x y and z um i don't see that happening Chad, I've never considered myself an adrenaline junkie, but I was always adventurous. Not long after I broke my arm in an ATV accident, costing me three months off of work, thousands of dollars, and marital strife, you, when speaking on JPP, blowing his finger off with fireworks during a segment on Bode, gave the most sage-like advice that I follow to this day. Quote, you don't have to do anything crazy to have fun. You can just sit in your basement drinking beer and beating off. And ever since then, I've heeded your advice. Sean and Maryland. for everybody but what I can tell you is when my wife goes out of town 
I don't get on a motocross bike and start fucking, you know, jumping over cars in the middle of Fairfax County Parkway, right? I don't need to do parkour on the roof of a building. What I like to do is find some movies I want to watch, get a 12-pack of beer and a bottle of booze, um, indulge in that, maybe play some video games, rub one out, go to bed at about 2 o'clock in the morning, piss drunk. I'm sure there's shit that's more fun. Maybe order some Domino's? Maybe there's something more fun than that out there. Maybe you riding an ATV and breaking your arm is more fun than that. I don't necessarily think so. And also, clearly, you're acting out in response to X, Y, and Z. You know, you gotta kind of psychologically get to the bottom of why you feel the need to put your life in jeopardy for that, or what type of uh, you know addiction that is satiating. But uh, look, I'm not saying you shouldn't ride a motorcycle, you know, or own a, own a convertible, or I don't know, go scuba diving. Those, those things are plenty dangerous. But I'm telling you, sitting in your basement, drinking. Watching movies, playing video games, jagging off. Take the motherfucking Pepsi challenge against that any day of the week. Put that up against anything. The Virginia Pizza Crusade is on a mission to find the best slices in the Commonwealth. To keep up with the reviews, be sure to follow the Virginia Pizza Crusade on Instagram, at Virginia Pizza Crusade. Joining me on the Monk's Barbecue Hotline as we live and breathe from Fandango.com. It is at Eric Davis on Twitter. It just breaks all the big news, including all the big news that broke uh, about uh, the superhero showdown that we're having now. Mr. Eric Davis is with us. Eric, great to have you on, buddy. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing great, Dukes. It's good to be back. Man, uh, well, I wanted to ask you about the Black Adam box office. I'm sure we'll get to that. I'm actually seeing that movie uh, Tuesday, today, as we uh, play this. Um, I, we'll get to that, but let's get to the part where on the same day you've got Marvel, they release uh, an Ant-Man trailer, which is curious because uh, you have Black Panther coming out and that's probably it's gonna be gigantic uh the timing's curious and all the, the kang stuff and the trailer everybody's going crazy and then the announcement of i guess we knew it was going to happen because the rock was openly talking about it but you have the official an announcement that superman is back which is always a big deal um seems like uh i don't know the makings of that heavyweight fight we always thought dc for uh, dc versus marvel in the cinematic universe department would be yeah, and it's feeling a little bit more obvious now, you know, because I think there was an era where both sides would be like, look, there's more than enough room for all of us to coexist. You know, we're rooting for your movies. We're rooting for your movies. And it never it never necessarily felt like there was a strategic kind of like we're going to come at you. But I'm kind of feeling that a little bit. Uh, in this stretch right now with Black Adam and Black Panther and the Ant-Man trailer. Because, yeah, I mean, Disney dropped the Ant-Man trailer at the same exact time as Henry Cavill went out with this video. Um, and it feels like both of them would have known that that they were doing these things. You know, all the studios, they kind of they all talk to each other. They all kind of have a sense of who's dropping what and when. Um, you had Black Adam tickets go on sale maybe three days before Black Panther tickets went on sale. You had this stuff happen at the same exact time. So you have to kind of wonder, is there, you know, is it just a coincidence or is there like some kind of strategic 
battle now happening, you know, where each one is kind of arming the other one to try to one up them. I don't know if that's happening, but it definitely is a bit suspect, especially seeing both of those things drop at the same exact time today. Talk to me about has DC righted the ship here? Uh, there has just been so many misses and it's been somewhat bamboozling. I, I, this has nothing to do with the movies, but I, I just bought the, the new quote unquote Batman video game and Batman isn't in the video game. It's the four other tertiary characters that nobody cares about. I'm just like, I, I sometimes just sit and ponder. I'm like, how, how have we gotten to this place? Uh, and it looks like, I mean, The Rock's openly talking about the previous administration and why it was so hard to get Cavill back playing Superman. But it does it does appear now that the direction is more steadfast and we're going to see less, you know, birds of prey experiments or what have you. Does, does it feel like they're in a healthier place right now? I think they're trying to get to a healthier place. You know, I think financially they're trying to get to a healthier pace. You know, Black Adam's the last big Warner Brothers movie that's coming out this year. They even moved that house party movie out of December into January because I don't think they have the money to put out another movie this year. So I think that there's there's still some financial settlement that they need to kind of figure out in-house there, part of that acquisition, a lot of that kind of stuff that doesn't necessarily uh, matter to consumers, but... Um, they have to figure that stuff out. And they also still need somebody who's going to run that DC ship. You know, I mean, all reports were that they were looking for like a Kevin Feige to kind of, you know, run the strategy of that entire operation. That person has not been found yet. However, we are seeing stories, you know, of them moving forward. They got Henry Cavill back as Superman. So they're going to kind of put a stake in the ground there. Uh, James Gunn is working on some uh, mysterious DC stuff. You know, they have um, other, you know, other things are, are at play too. Matt Reeves is working on a Batman sequel. He's also working on other things, other movies too, that involve that universe. So it definitely does feel like they're putting, you know, stakes in the ground to, at the points where they say we need more Superman, we need more Batman, we like what James Gunn is doing, we want more of him involved as well. So they're taking the best of what they have right now. They're doubling down on it. Uh, I think in order to buy a little bit more time until there's you know a chief, so to speak, in charge of the whole the whole thing. Uh, and these stakes in the ground are smart. I think they should do more with James Gunn. I think they should do more with Matt Reeves in that Batman universe. And I think the fans want Henry back as Superman and they want a proper Superman sequel starring him. So I think they're making smart decisions. Um, I'm curious to see once you're outside of your Supermans and your Batmans, then what does the rest of the landscape look like? I think they still need to get there. I think you're right. Um, Black Panther was, uh, it is the, I'm looking at this uh, list here, the 14th biggest box office all time. Uh, I'm looking at the top 20 right here. It's pretty embarrassing. But anyway, that's either here nor there. The, that was a movie everybody wanted to see, but this is a movie where I think everybody see wants to see how they're going to handle, you know, Chadwick Boseman no longer being with us. And we have some more details now, but th the regular audience that was already into it is going to be there. And then I think the look-in audience, Eric, if there is such a thing for MCU movies now, is going to be more than what it usually is. What what type of – that's the 11th of November, I think. Um, what, what type of a box office 
force is that? I mean, I assume it's going to be good, so we'll have some staying power. People go back and see it a couple of times. Unless it stinks, what type of a box office force do you think that sequel is going to be? I, I think it, you know, the early tracking is showing like uh, 150 million plus opening, uh, which would be huge. The first movie surprised everyone with like a, a 202 million dollar opening um, domestically. So I think this is going to be a movie that, you know, the Black Panther. Uh, IP performs a lot better in the United States than it does globally. Whereas something like Black Adam, I could see that performing a lot better globally than it does in the United States. So I think they really, uh, you know, Black Panther, Wakanda forever, really counting on the U.S. to kind of rally around it the way that everyone rallied around that first Black Panther. And so, I mean, those early tracking numbers are very good. So I think that's good. Uh, feels like you know they put a lot of a lot of heart and, and soul into it, so you do feel like they're going to deliver something that is probably the most entertaining Marvel thing that we're going to get this year. This is probably going to be their best their best uh, foot forward here, um, and so we'll have to see. But then without Chadwick Boseman, without that Black Panther, um, you know what are you going to do? I think that and I think there's you're right there. That there's a lot of curiosity. A lot of people are may say. I'm not as interested in this film as much if Black Panther isn't isn't at the center. But I think you're also going to get a lot of people who are like, I like the first one. I, I want to see what they're going to do here. Um, I think there's a certain sense of people waiting for a film that they can all rally around that everybody can go see. I feel like the last one of those was, what well, like really Maverick, right? It was like the last movie that kind of everyone was like, oh, I got to go see it. It's it's everyone seeing it. And I think we it's been a while since we've had a film like that. I think our best opportunity is going to be with Black Panther and then that Avatar movie a month later. So, And that's another thing. They're only going to have about a month, really, uh, until that Avatar movie comes out. So they got to make, they got to do a lot of damage in that one month at the box office. I feel confident. I think they will. Um, but, you know, we haven't seen the film yet. I see it next week. Uh, so we'll have a better idea uh, uh, of how it's going to play at that time. All right, before we we end the, the superhero stuff, the um, uh, Kang, of course, shows up in the the Loki show. The trailer for Ant Man. I'm just going to say this: it feels the moment feels too big for that particular hero. That it looks like I don't know some sort of Avengers like or Thor, Captain America, Iron Man type scenario. But maybe that's by design. Is he supposed to be? The big bad of phase five, I'm, are they just introducing him again here? I'm just curious, do we know what, is there a plan as far as how this is going to kind of set up the next phase of Marvel Cinematic Universe? Yes, I think there's definitely a plan because uh, Black Panther is, is the end of phase four. And that film is the first film of Phase 5. Okay. I mean, look, we have an Avengers movie coming out that's called Avengers the Kang Dynasty. Right. So you know that this is just the beginning uh, with this character. Uh, but if you if you watch Loki, you saw that there was another version of him in that show. So I think there's a, you know, how many versions of this character are we going to get? Uh, and then, But I think this is really the big bad. This is your Thanos of of this multiverse saga which is what they're calling it uh it's going to be kang and it's going to be jonathan majors uh nobody hotter than that guy right now he's also creed 3 they yeah. dropped the trailer for creed 3 last week amazing he, he he's the guy in that one too he's got a film coming out thanksgiving called devotion with glenn powell who was in top gun also in the in the in the fighter planes so he's got that coming out so 
Uh, I think, you know, you couldn't get a, a hotter actor right now to be your big bad for, for this for this saga. But, you know, I think this Ant-Man movie really is going to start opening it up a little bit um, and, and maybe giving us a little bit more direction in terms of where they're going to go. It looks super fantastical, uh, super outer spacey, interdimensionally, all that, all that stuff. Um, so it'll be interesting to see um what what that film goes and the places that it goes to i wish those two leads in creed 3 would take their physical fitness seriously i mean they really let themselves <laughs> go in that in that trailer jesus um all right i i saw i don't i'm not a rom-com dude per se but i do i we've talked about this eric I, i'm a little more i have more fatigue on all the the comic book stuff so whenever there are you know rated r horror movies that are excelling in the theater we've discussed that many times whenever you know there's another genre that can still exist outside of just more superhero movies i dig it um and you talked about this movie that came out which i saw a trailer for i'm like how do i not know that there's a george Clooney and julia roberts movie coming out but it looks like the rom-com is finding success in the theater, which is good because one of the things I was worried about with, you know, movie theaters and people going to them is like, are people only going to go to the big things? They, you know, go to forego just having a Friday out. Let's go see whatever in the theater. It looks like these kind of that genre is having a little bit more success as of late as well. Yeah, it depends too. You know, like like that movie Bros was a rom-com, but it didn't perform as well. But then the Lost City. Uh, did really well. So I think it's kind of hit and miss. Uh, and I think they perform better internationally. If you look at Ticket to Paradise w with the George Clooney, uh, Julia Roberts movie that came out, it, it grossed about 16 and change, 16 million and change in the United States, which is a good, it overperformed. It was, they, they, it was tracking for 12. So it did overperform, but this thing is almost at uh, over like 80 million internationally. So this film is going to soar past a hundred million uh, globally this week, uh, which is amazing for, for a film like this. And so, and then you look at the lost city with Channing Tatum and Sandra Bullock, that also uh, grossed over $100 million, also overperformed and did really well. So I think that, you know, when you have two very well-known stars at the center of that rom-com, I think that's the best opportunity for success. Um, you look at bros, Billy Eichner, not a lot of people know him outside of, outside of online, uh, and the other guy with him. Not a lot of people know him, but when you have George Clooney, Julia Roberts, and, you know, just two big stars that people really know, especially adults, you know, especially stars that, uh, you know, speak to adults when they were younger and and the stars that they like to go see. Um, I think that's when you have the best opportunity for success. Do we know, I'm kind of springing this on you, do we have any more details on Disappointment Boulevard, which is the next Ari Aster movie, who is, of course, the lunatic that did uh, Hereditary and Midsummer, which are great movies, but I don't know that I ever want to watch them again if I want to sleep. Um, it, it, I, from what I was reading is they don't even think it's going to be a horror movie. Yeah, I, you know, I don't have a ton of details on that, um, but I know that it's it's coming out next year, um, and this, this, it's got Joaquin, right? Is this the one I think that so. he's yeah, got Joaquin, yeah, Joaquin in it? Phoenix is in it. Yeah. I, I don't know. A, a, yeah. It's got Joaquin Phoenix in it. Um, and it's, it's, yeah, it's about like, um, the, uh, like a decade spanning portrait of an entrepreneur and he plays that entrepreneur. Okay. So I, yeah, I don't think it's going to be hard. I think it's going to be a different kind of jam. It's got Amy Ryan in it. It's got Nathan Lane. You know, Michael Gandolfini, who is James Gandolfini's son, is in it. 
Um, so yeah, I think it's going to be kind of like uh, a very different sort of approach for Ari Oster, which should be good. And I mean, he's got Joaquin. Yeah, he, you know, he's the best. Well, so Joaquin's crazy though too, and so is he. So like that should be, it could be like a Daniel Plainview type situation, which would be really interesting um, if that's the genre. Um, the, did you watch? Uh, well, I'm sure you did. The, the what it. I know you 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 are more positive about bad movies than I am. Um, what did you think of Halloween Ends? <laughs> Halloween Ends, man. Uh, I, there's a lot of things to think about this movie. I think I respect the fact that they tried to make each one of these three films different yeah, from, uh, from each other. I respect that they took some big swings. I respect the fact that they tried to dabble with the supernatural, like some of those previous Halloween movies, but they, but they, they didn't go all in. They didn't define anything. They kind of just threw random supernatural stuff at you. And you were like, you, you figure it out. We're not going to define anything. We're not going to tell you anything about what Michael is. Uh, so I, I respect that. I think I think it was a bit messy. I think the story was a bit messy. I think bringing Michael so late into the film is a big risk. Um, I you know I I felt like it. You know you know what I was pitching my buddy on this. I said you know what this third movie should have been. They should have caught Michael at the end of the at the end of the second one. Right, the whole town is chasing Michael Myers. They catch him. They put him in this facility and to to store him there. But Lori feels like she has to kill Michael herself that she doesn't trust anybody locking him up again. And so they, so the first half of the movie is them having to stage a heist to go steal Michael Myers from wherever he is and get him to a place where they've now set up the perfect murder of Michael Myers. And that's the second half of the movie. Uh, and of course there's some crazy adventure that they have to go on with Michael and the town coming after them too. I think that would have been a really cool way to tie all three films together um, and to have something that's got a little bit more momentum to it. Yeah. Um, that was my, that was, that's my Halloween. Edge. Look, that's, I mean, that fantasy booking is way better than what we got. And I, I would have watched it. I just, for me, I, here's what I don't understand. Eric is like when, you know, it's kind of, I don't know if you watch the Halo show, but like it's whenever I watch something and it's like the people involved in making it have no idea about the community or the history or the fans or, or even feel like they've watched the stuff that came before. If you watch the Halo show, it's like, well, no, no one played the game. No one has anything invested in this. This Halloween movie, to, to first of all, to market it with, you know, the showdown between Laurie Strode and, and, and Michael Myers, and that just doesn't really happen. It, it happens for about three minutes at the end of the movie. But then you just, you kind of interject these two new characters that we're not really all that invested in, and the entire movie is about them, and at the same time, basically cuckolding Michael Myers, where this guy goes, goes into a sewer and bodies him and takes his mask. I'm like, what? Who do you think is paying for money to come see these movies? It's it would be like it's like when an artist goes in a musician and he you know won't play any of the hits. He's like, I'm only gonna play only new stuff. It's like, well, <laughs> you gotta just throw me a bone here. Like, give me two or three of the old school. And uh, I just to me, I was fascinated with how so many people could have gotten into a room and no one fired off a text to John Carpenter. Nobody fired off a text. Hey, are we do? Are we are we really you know are we getting the vibe of what you're looking for here? And another thing that's interesting is. I mean, how maligned Rob Zombie is for his Halloween movies, and to see the internet kind of now embrace those movies instead, um, because they're so angry about this movie, um, you know, the whims of the internet, no one should probably subscribe to them, but it's just been a wild pop culture phenomenon to observe inside of the quote-unquote horror community, I can't believe I just said that. 
Yeah, no, I, you make a lot of great points. And I, I know some of the folks that are, are very close to this, like some of those, those executive producers. There's a buddy of mine that is in there who I who used to run like the like the biggest horror site on the planet. So I know this guy knows horror like nobody's business. So I, I, I definitely do believe the fact that there are people involved that really know what they're doing. Um, but this one kind of feels like it got lost in the fan reaction to the second one. You know, the fans really reacted badly to the second one. Second one was angry. It was just Michael killing people left and right. And I think people kind of, uh, they, they were taken aback by that. and They didn't like that. And so I think that's what sort of inspired them to say, all right, now we're going to pick it up, you know, some odd years later and we're going to scale it down. We're not going to show you so much, Michael. So I think they may have gotten lost in reacting to the reaction of that second film and trying to go go in the opposite direction. And they may have also gotten lost in the themes, you know, because uh, thematically, when you look at it, it makes sense. You know, the first one is about how it shaped, how, how Michael Myers' uh, destruction shapes a family. The second is how it shapes a community. The third one is how, who, what shapes Michael Myers, what shapes a killer. So I understand where they were going with it thematically. It just, the story just felt a little bit bumpy and and you could never really get a good handle on it. And like you say, they they didn't bring enough Michael in there, you know. But the second one was too much Michael. The third one was not enough Michael. Maybe that first one was just enough Michael. And maybe they needed to look more at that first movie for inspiration and not reacting to the negative comments of the second one for inspiration. Go to Fandango.com for all your movie ticket needs. I bought my Black Adam tickets over there before we had Eric on. And, of course, you can follow him on Twitter at Eric Davis and Instagram. This is Eric Davis. What do you got coming up on the site there, Eric? Uh, Black Panther is really the next big thing uh, that I'm working on. And then Avatar, we're also working on that. So kind of just getting through the rest of the year right now. I know you were talking about horror movies. Yeah. Uh, before uh, this is the week this is uh halloween week so there's two i i don't know if you saw barbarian yet i've heard nothing but, but good things i haven't seen it though that arrives on voodoo tomorrow so we will Ooh. have that movie at home tomorrow highly recommend that one it's 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 a weird one and it takes some crazy left and right turns okay that i think i think you will dig um also that movie pearl uh, which I wasn't as crazy about as critics were, but if you saw X, uh, Ty West X I in did. spring, yeah, per Pearl arrives at home uh, this week as as well, uh, and that's also uh, also pretty pretty good. I was underwhelmed by Smile. I uh, wanted to be blown away by that movie, and it was just okay, I think. And also, I don't know if you've seen the movie Fallen with Denzel Washington and John Goodman and Donald Sutherland. It's almost the exact same movie, except there's a few smiles. So. <laughs> I, I don't know why I'm saying that. I just, smile, smile surprised me. I, I was, I was mildly like surprised. I, was, I did like it. I, okay. I was surprised by it, you know, but it, it did remind me, you know, I'm a big fan of a film called It Follows. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, and it kind of reminded me of the vibe that they were going there with yeah. it, and I, I like that, and I like things that pull in a detective to try to figure out what's happening before it's too late. I, I like that the pacing of it, that that time element, I, I enjoy. I'm a big fan of a good creature reveal, and Smile has got a really, yes. really solid and disturbing creature reveal at the very end of that bad boy. Um, at Eric Davis, follow him on Twitter. Eric, always a pleasure, sir. Thank you so much for the time today. Without a doubt, Dukes. Take care. He's the best in the business. 
The best barbecue in Virginia can only be found at Monk's Barbecue in Parsonville, Virginia. Check them out at Monk's BBQ on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and at MonksQ.com. I'm telling you, man, if you don't subscribe to the show, you're missing out. There's just so much that takes place that you miss out on. If you do subscribe, please use this as a tool. Promise them it's not nearly as much of me. That's that's a good selling point. Uh, give it to the normies out there. Help spread the word of the show. That's what we need. Keep growing. Keep doing more for you. This is our goal. All right, guys. Me love you long time. And as always, if you want to keep up with the show, chaddukeshow.com. We cover all of your needs on that site. On Facebook, search Chad Duke Show. Twitter, it's at Chad Dukes. And Instagram, it's at Chad Duke Show. Bonus content, if you're looking for that, on Instagram, at Virginia Pizza Crusade. And never forget to check out Commonwealth Dry Goods. Although, they sold out of their Halloween candles and shirts. So if you waited, I warned you. But they do have some really cool hoodies coming out soon. Uh, I'll be checking in with Brian to make sure we have those in stock for you guys. But stay tuned for more on that. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoy your weekend. And if the good Lord is willing and the creeks don't rise, Dukes and Tor will see you on Monday evening. Roll out the... Eat